Good morning. I want to welcome y'all to Memorial United Methodist. Our band had a competition, Survivor, like on television. <laughs> Charlie won. Apparently the last competition was just a basic sprint and uh, Charlie smoked them all. No, they all have um, uh, conflicts this week, all have stuff to do and uh, if there was a person uh, that I've met uh, in my time in worship leadership that could carry the whole thing himself, uh, Charlie's among, that, uh, among three or four people that I know that can do that. He actually had a wedding in Charleston this weekend. Uh, and played down there and came back for us. So if y'all will just uh, give them a little bit of gratitude for doing that. And if y'all will stand and uh, let's join him, let's give him some support.
Gracious God, we thank you for this house in which we may come and worship. We thank you for uh, those who prepared the food and the coffee for us to nourish our bodies. Use our bodies in this service, Lord, to honor and glorify you. Help us in our prayer, in our scripture, in our songs, in our proclamation to declare your word of blessing for us this day. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. I was humming and the microphone was on. I do that all the time. 
We like to frame our announcements in our five practices of fruitful congregations. We try to live out these practices as best we can. Uh, we talk about them all the time to reinforce them. Uh, so we talk about radical hospitality. We want to talk about our first uh, Wednesday dinner, and uh, Aaron Knight's going to tell us about it. Good morning. I will just direct you to the bulletin for the details about our supper at six, but it's just a couple days away now, so today is the deadline to register, and you're welcome to do that by just signing the attendance roster and indicating your interest, or you can use the link that we've been sending out through our weekly emails. But I certainly hope to see you all there. Thanks. Thank you, Erin. Next Sunday is Scout Sunday. We'll welcome the Scouts in both worship services, and we're glad to do that. And also, readers of our email are up to 50%. They were at 30% when we started, then they started creeping into the 40s a couple months ago, and now we are in the 50s. If you say, there's an email, then we can, uh, we can work on that and get that to the other 50. It might be in your um, promotions, if you have Gmail, because Gmail naturally pulls those things out. You can click on tabs that say promotions. It might be in your junk mail, because it fears that we are a scary entity. In fact, we are not. We're just sharing three helpful things going on on Tuesday and Thursday. We send it faithfully every Tuesday and Thursday. If you're not getting that, um, let me know. You can come up to me after the service. Um, passionate worship. I want you all to just to um, pray and be aware of this. Just in January, we baptized Porter Tompkins. We've married Dennis Kiff and Emily Griffin. Daniel Diaz and Paige Brooks got married. And there we go. And um, we've lost Ben McClyman and Ellen Rogers from our church family. It has been a uh, from from this end of the spectrum to this end of the spectrum. Uh, throughout this month. Uh, and uh, with that in mind, if you would like to share prayer concerns with our Tuesday prayer group, we have um, ushers that have note cards that are um, glad to um, bring those note cards to you and a pencil. If you'd like to share something with our group, just please raise your hand and um, print legibly and they will get that. Um, we believe in intentional faith development. We have uh, confirmation again today at 10 o'clock in my office. We have an amazing group. They're fun. I look forward to taking them to Lake Junaluska coming up soon. Today we're talking about the five practices of fruitful congregations. How many of, of y'all could teach this class based on all that you've heard about it in the last six months? They're going to learn about it. Um, we believe in risk-taking mission and service. Um, one of the simplest ways we're doing that is um, uh, now serving uh, Thomas. Brew did himself this morning. Uh, Cafe Justo Coffee. This is coffee grown by uh, Mexican farmers who are attempting to build a business with their family around them. Uh, it's, a, it's a ministry of First Pres that is rolling on 12 cylinders there. And we're buying it here and soon we'll start selling it and, and expand it and get to their level. But it's a simple way we can help people people trying to um, get off on the right foot. Uh, so that's your announcements for the day. Let's pray together. Gracious God, today we look at your Sermon on the Mount given by your Son to people trying to learn about his belief system. People who were um, totally in-depth in religious thought, people who hadn't come in a while, and people who had zeroed a little idea what anything was. Jesus gave his first major address today. And we're going to listen in. As we hear about blessing, Lord, help us to hear the different natures of that blessing. Help us to hear the corporate nature of that blessing. Help us to hear the amazing generosity 
of the blessing that you have offered us. Place us on that mountain and help us to understand what was going on with those people, the mission of Jesus, and the fact that it's not a history lesson. It's an opportunity to serve going forward in the future. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we're looking at Matthew 5, starting with verse 1, and I'm going to read just a little bit and then slam on the brakes. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So let's look at your first phrase. It's important to recap the events that led up to this point. And um, we got some pictures for you. It's going to be a picture book today. Let's look at the first one. This is the wise men coming, and King Herod. Uh, they look uh, maybe curious, maybe nervous. I'm guessing if we could see his face, he'd be a little grumpy. Why? The scripture says that he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, do you think all of Jerusalem was happy with his leadership? Do you think all of Jerusalem was overjoyed with his religious beliefs and his um, sharing those religious beliefs with everyone else, making sure that everybody had what they needed? Mm -mm. But they loved that at least it was stable. See, people choose stable over something that deeply suits them and something they're passionate about because when it's unstable, especially in this time, their very life is threatened. So when three people from another nation come to town and they say, uh, we're here to see the new king, that is the definition of uh, uh, creating instability. So King Herod threatened not only harm to Jesus and his family, but when the wise men tricked him and didn't tell him where they were, King Herod threatened and carried out violence on every toddler boy in that nation. Can you imagine? That kind of violence, that kind of hatred, that kind of fear turning into um, one of the worst things that's ever happened to the people of Israel. So there's a pursuit of Jesus. The king does what many kings do. Make sure I get to still be king. Jesus' family suffers, but everyone suffers. That's chapter 2. Let's look at chapter 3. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. I don't know what I'm doing with these. They're getting in my way. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Pulling away from the big cities. Going out to the desert. Trying to find the true purpose of what we, are, what we are hoping to do. That's tough to do in the temple. That's tough to do in the synagogue because we've got a lot of agendas there. We've got a lot of thoughts there. We've got a lot of struggling for um, who's the most powerful there. When we get out in the desert, who cares? Nobody cares who's out in the desert. We can find what we want to be. We can find what we want to believe. And when baptizing Jesus, the skies break open and God speaks. and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. 
The first one was the pursuit of Jesus, not in a good way, but in a very frightening way as a toddler. This one is the pursuit of the sacred. It's a positive thing. John the Baptist is drawing people out and refocusing them. And Jesus himself comes to be baptized as a human. That's Matthew chapter 3. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4. I knew that struggle with the light. You're talking about Jesus isolated in the desert. Isolated in the wilderness. Isolated from food and water. And reaching deep down for 40 days. Y'all ever miss lunch? What do, you, what do you like when you miss lunch? Yeah, I don't know either. I never miss lunch either. Well, I can assume what I figure I would be like if I miss lunch. Grumpy. He's out there with no food and no water getting to the bottom of it. And in the midst of that, the devil approaches him and offers him... Um, I always make fun of quotation marks, everything. Because some use of quotation marks are good. Some of them are strange. Like when a restaurant says um, healthy food. Like what does that mean? <laughs> or when, a, when it says on a, on, a, um, on a police officer's car to protect and serve. What does it mean to do this? Right? But he offers him everything. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. All you got to do is say that I'm the one and I'll give you all of this as if, to, as if it's his to offer. So we have the pursuit of Jesus the toddler, the pursuit of the sacred. This is the pursuit of power. And Jesus is denying it. Jesus is denying the offer that's given to him. And you know what? So many people, when they get to a certain point of success, something is offered to them to take them off the rails to a whole other place. The devil sees a tremendous opportunity and attempts to steal Jesus away. You want to talk about, well, you know what? Movies are more interesting than the Bible. Okay, in Star Wars, what did the guy want to do with Luke Skywalker? He wanted to pull him away. He saw something supremely powerful, someone supremely powerful, and wanted to pull him to what? The dark side. Okay, this is not an original thought. I love it. I love those movies. But they're not more exciting or more um, uh, filled with power struggles in human nature and trying to live out what you wanted to believe than the Bible is the Bible has the exact same concepts. Attempts to steal Jesus away. Pursuit of Jesus, pursuit of the sacred, pursuit of power. That's chapter 4. So you talk about action-packed things before the text that we read today. Now, with those three things in mind, two negative and one positive, let's read the entire text. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, 
persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Did you see those themes in those words? Sometimes it was people seeking power. The scripture is the opposite. Sometimes it was people who were the victims of those seeking power, which was in the text. Sometimes it was those pulling away, trying to figure out what exactly do I want. That was in the text as well. Blessed are you. So the question is, how do these words strike you? How would they strike the people who were there? That's your next uh, main point. How would these words strike you? Let's put ourselves in a position uh, of being on that mountain. Is he saying, I should recognize that I'm blessed in this position? Meaning, I'm broken hearted, I'm in pain, I've lost everything. Hey, you should understand that you're blessed, because that's when you're trying true focus. Is that what he's saying? It, people there must be wondering, is that what he's saying? Is he saying, I will be blessed because I'm in this position? Oh, I'm broken hearted, I'm in pain, I've lost everything I'm pursuing. I'm going to be blessed. Those are two entirely different things. Two entirely different concepts. Are these targets to shoot for? Oh, so I should be hungry. I should be thirsty. I should seek righteousness. Because if I do, then I will be blessed. That's three different angles as to what he said. Are these now the most important people? And am I on the outside? See, if you look at um, all kinds of commentary on this text, uh, you might see someone saying, every single person, every single human is blessed based on this text. I think there's a case to be made for that in terms of acceptance and in terms of opportunity. But this doesn't list all of human nature. This doesn't list the entire human condition. This lists some targeted things that I think are from chapters 2, 3, and 4. So what are people to do with it? Think about, um, let me give you two different images. Whichever one strikes you best. Students in the classroom wanting to know exactly what the teacher wants so that they give the teacher that thing and they can be done. College football players getting ready to go up for the NFL draft wanting to know exactly what the scout wants to hear and exactly the speed that they need to have in order to be drafted in the position that they want in order to get the um, position, prestige, and money that they hope to achieve. Which, which, one's right? which one likes the, the student better? Yeah? Athlete better? Yeah. Uh, not going to vote because people are looking around. Yeah, right. I understand. Both groups are looking for, what's, what's uh, just get all that stuff out of there. What's the thing I have to do? Is, is that the blessing of the Christian life? What do I have to do in order to get something? Hmm. But we boil it down so much to that. Why? Because we're busy. Because we're tired. Because we fear if we truly ask and we get a whole book, well, we got to read this whole book? We got to live this whole book out? Can you just give me the thing that I have to do in order to be accepted by you in order to get in? There are entire groups based on that. I don't think he's saying that. I don't think that's the blessing of the Christian life. 
So I think he might be saying, you are blessed by God despite your pain and anger. Because those things, sickness, death, pain, anger, loss, can cause you to think that God is not present with you nor blessing you in any way, shape, or form. I talked about in the podcast this week that I... Um, we talked about works righteousness and effort and trying to do more than other people. I'm not into working hard to beat the person beside me that isn't working hard enough and pointing out that they don't work out, they don't work hard enough. Y'all seen that before, right? I'm into if I work hard enough, I will win. Period. And when I don't win, when I don't get the thing done that I wanted to get done, when I don't get the group that I wanted to get, when I don't get the measure that I hope to get, that's where I will feel that I am not blessed by God. Because I think you can outwork whatever it is. Is that right? So I think he's saying, you are blessed by God despite your pain, your anger, your sadness, your loss. I think he's saying, you are blessed by God in your pursuit of understanding and faith. And I think it's critical to say pursuit. You're not blessed by God when you fully understand this. And you have it. Anybody have it? Right? Anybody fully living it out? Anybody get past beyond chapter 1? Back to the deeper part of the book? It's hard. So he's saying, your pursuit of it, you are blessed by God in doing so. And how important is that to people who are on the side of a mountain just trying to figure out what he's even saying? Your pursuit of this goal will cause you to be blessed by God. You are blessed by God as you defy the human tendency for power. If you can pull that off. Because there are power struggles in church. There are power struggles at home. There are power struggles in your office. On the road. Everywhere you go, really. Everywhere there's humans, unless you're in a desert out by yourself. He doesn't say you'll be blessed by God by winning that power struggle through words, by coercing people in order to get it, by making sure that you get it and your friends get it, then you'll be blessed. He didn't say that. These Beatitudes talk about defying the human desire for power. And why do we want it? I saw a study five, four or five, six months ago that said um, people when offered the highest salary they've ever wanted or dreamed of or total autonomy in their job for much less would choose autonomy. The reason they would choose autonomy is they don't have to put up with anybody. They don't have to listen to what this guy over here, this clown, says and tells them to do. They don't have to be in that boardroom and listen to what those people tell them to do. They don't have to deal with any kind of consultant. They don't have, whatever it is. They don't have to put up with anybody else. Does that speak to you? The human desire for power boils down to not having to put up with anybody on your goals to get something done. The trouble is that's not biblical. It's, it's um, human nature 
But Jesus is saying, speaking to that human nature and saying, you're blessed when you defy the human tendency for power. So here's your last point. Which sentence speaks to you this week? And so you say, uh, can you run them by me again? Yes. All right. Um, so I tell you what, just listen to them. We'll just leave it on this phrase, which sentence speaks to you this week, and I'll read them to you again. You're blessed by God despite, not, not these. You're blessed by God despite your anger, sadness, or loss. You're blessed by God in the pursuit of understanding and faith. You're blessed by God as you defy the human tendency for power. With those in mind, which of these speaks to you? He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'm guessing if we all showed up to that mountain today, the last Sunday in February, the last Sunday in March, and next year, each time one of those would speak to you, a, a different one of those would speak to you. That's why they're so powerful. That's why they're so helpful. That's why they're so meaningful to our life. So blessed are you in your pursuit of what God is hoping that you're capable of. Let us pray. Gracious God, help us to give you our pain and anger. Help us not to store it up and feed it and water it and help it grow. Help us not to bestow it upon other people in the first five minutes that we see them. Bless us in our pursuit. We want to understand. We want to move beyond the answers in the back of the book. Bless us in our pursuit of faith. Bless us, God, as we try to give away power, as we try to listen first, as we try to understand before we convince. Bless us, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen. I stand and join uh, in our modern affirmation. We believe in God the Father infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all His works and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service that the kingdom of God may be a present reality.
here on earth. You may be seated. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. And if you would like to give electronically or text to give, you'll see instructions in the bulletin.
stand and sing this next one with me?
I told Charlie that baseball has a fairly new stat called war. It's called wins over replacement. It means if you take the average person at that position and you put this person in to replace them, how many more wins will you get in throughout the season? Charlie's war at lead guitar is pretty high, is it not? Thank you for carrying us today, Charlie, after a long weekend. We appreciate that. Go in peace. Be blessed. Understanding that God blessed you before you ever did a thing to give you an opportunity to give away power, to listen intently, to pursue righteousness, to hope and dream, to understand the will of God. It's in your son's name. We pray. Amen. Go in peace. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Y'all have a great week.